Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Making soup. Yummy. Yeah. It's Saturday. We just had Thanksgiving. Wow. What a wild episode to do right after Thanksgiving. I was thinking the exact same thing because we also did gender bender the that the week of uh trans awareness. Wow. Isn't that wild? Like the timing is bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, my mom and I had a big rant at the um in the kitchen while we were cooking just about my my mom was like I was talking to her about how um because I nanny and the little girl that I nanny is like during Thanksgiving week she's on zoom kindergarten and they're teaching her about like the first whatever the fuck they teach about Thanksgiving that's absolutely pilgrims or whatever yeah the pilgrims I was telling her about that and then she and the nice collective meal that they had with the indigenous people already living yeah they just taught the pilgrims how to make corn that's all that totally and they held hands and sang songs Uh (laughs) um and I was telling my mom about that and she was like our whole lives we've been brainwashed (laughs) she was she was really stoned but she was like her mind was blown at the fact that everything that we're taught isn't true from the time when we're five like how do we we don't know anything that happens and i was like you're right tree by the power well because it comes down to like the the reality of being comfortable yeah yeah right like white Mm -hmm. um not amplifying white guilt which we will talk about but like yeah you know, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Like, it's very uncomfortable to teach children about anything. Any, that, yeah. Like, I was going to say, it's very uncomfortable to teach little white children about, like, the fact that their ancestors slaughtered and, and raped and killed millions of indigenous people. Yeah. Um, like how do you how but do you bring like, that up? They have no. They have, they can't. And then and then, and then tell them that you're going to celebrate that. Like yeah. that's where the disconnect lies. Exactly. But then like, I, f- I remember being like young in school and learning extensively about the rape of Nanking with, hmm. did you learn about that? No, I don't I'm trying think so. to, oh fuck. I can't remember the guy, who, the horrible man who like did it. It's Chinese citizens who were raped by the Japanese army. It was the end of world war two. And we just watched like really graphic videos about it. Like, I remember being young and learning about that. And then I'm like, well, if you can fucking teach us that, why aren't you teaching us the real shit that happened that we did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the American education system, that's why we are, like, literally uh, in among the worst. (laughs) Seriously. And I was just talking with somebody today, actually, about how it's, like, it's so much more comfortable just to live in the fantasy than to acknowledge that there's anything wrong because nobody wants to purposely go into discomfort. Absolutely. (sighs) Anyways, speaking of discomfort, for <laughs> for today's sex corner, we have a little question that um, somebody sent in to us and said, I have trouble with physical touch with loved ones. I subconsciously want it, but my body tenses up. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this question because I have a lot of experience with having a convoluted relationship with physical touch and affection. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit from personal experience because I'm not a professional and that's the most genuine way I know how to address the topic. So I don't know the background of the person who sent this in, but as I've said a few times on this podcast, I've had a lot of trouble in my life with physical touch and that stems from trauma. Um, and the problem that manifested in a lot of ways for me was in my romantic and physical relationships. But in terms of family members, that issues come up as well with like the amounts of physical affection that you're comfortable with. Um, so like, you know how people have different love languages? Like mm-hmm. I know mine is 
probably like verbal affirmations being like, oh, this made me think of you, or I just want to tell you that I love you and like those kind of things. Mm-hmm. What's your love language? Do you know? Um, I don't like, I guess acts of love mm. would be mine and ver- probably verbal affirmations as well. I that think that checks out. Yeah. You think? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> like when you send me a little care package for Halloween. Yeah. With my little squishy that I'm using right now. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, I love that. It's so interesting to me how people have such like wildly differing love languages. And um, my mom's is 100% physical touch. Like Mm. there's no way around it. She's a massage therapist and a yoga teacher. So like 90% of what she does to help people is rooted in the physical body. Like also that this is just proof that it's like the fact that there are different love languages is like that proves that there's nothing that's, there's no hierarchy. Yeah. Because I was just thinking like the thought of being suffocated with physical touch is so horrible to me. (laughs) And so it's like that what what we will eventually, I'm sure Stevie will articulate perfectly is that like, this is just the first, like there is no hierarchy of this. And I think that this example is so perfect. It leads into our discussion perfectly. Okay. Keep talking about your mom. Um, (laughs) um, I'm honestly surprised I haven't talked about my mom more on this podcast because (laughs) I always talk about my mom. I love her. She's amazing. Um, but, and so that's been like the way that I've received love, like since I was a little mm-hmm. kid, like she's given me massages all my life and always been like, just like foot rubs when you're sitting and, and her love language is also food now cooking, but like mm. primarily it's been physical touch. Um, so something that uh, she always does when I visit home is that she offers to give me a, a massage, which is incredible because she's an incredible massage therapist. Um, but a few years ago when I was in the thick of like struggling with my PTSD, I was feeling that kind of simultaneous, I really want to be touched and held and comforted, but also do not touch me. Like Mm. I don't like, and and it was that kind of, um, dichotomy that I think our listener describes a little bit to where like you want it, but then when it actually happens, it's too much. Mm. Um, and so my mom had a really hard time understanding that I wasn't wanting the physical touch she was offering because that was like the only way she knew how to show love and how to help when somebody's in pain. Um, but what it boils down to is that your needs are non-negotiable and it's your body. So if you're not wanting to be touched, your loved ones need to respect that. And if they aren't, that's a major violation. It's important that you find a way to remove yourself from the situation. But if you find yourself wanting it, like you articulated a little bit in the question, but your body just tenses up, there are some ways to work towards that while maintaining your boundaries if it's something that you wanted to like work towards being able to accept. So I'm an actor and in working in theater, I've worked with um, intimacy directors and the exercises that I've done with um, other actors when we have intimate scenes, I found translate really well into real life when it comes to physical touch and like communication around that. For my final senior project in theater in college, I wrote and directed a play and it revolved around assault. Nobody's surprised. But I teamed up with one of my um, friends who was also senior at the time who was researching intimacy direction for her senior project. And she helped me work with with my actors through those scenes that required physical touch. And so we sat down and they took turns saying, these are the places on my body that can be touched, i.e. my arms, my hands, my shoulders, my upper back, the side of my cheek, whatever. and then they took turns saying which parts were never okay. I eat my chest, my stomach, my lower back, my crotch, whatever, like whatever's not okay. It could even be your neck. It could be really yeah. average places, but if that's non-negotiable for you. Um, and then that established a physical language that was agreed upon with both participants. That, so that way they could be in the scene and feel comfortable touching one another without worrying that they're going to cross a boundary. And I feel like that kind of practice can totally be applied in real life if you wanted it to. 
Um, so like this has to do with sex with one of my exes, but um, a partner of, of mine and I sat down and I was like, please don't do X, Y, and Z because those are trigger physical triggers for me. But I love when you do X, Y, and Z, like Emily says all the time. Um, and then, so like you sandwich them with positives to keep it an active conversation with the other person involved. And because Emily's the queen of that, that's where I learned that. <laughs> I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even say positives because like the fact that you are telling them what is a no is also a positive because that's a gift offering yeah. them that boundary is a gift like because yeah, you're you're that's true everything is in your hands like no one else can can do anything for you so so you know you have to give them the keys and give them the tools to whatever that might be your comfortability your pleasure whatever that's that so is true. so both are positives. Yeah, it is such a gift to give people your boundaries. That's such a good way to put it. Oh, I want that on a t-shirt. Anyways, um, maybe we'll start making merch. <laughs> Sex positive merch. Hell yeah. Also X-Files. Also X-Files. <laughs> get it? The Sex Files? Do you get our thing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just sent in recently, I just realized S is for Stevie and E is for Emily in the X-Files and it made me laugh. That's cute. I'm really excited about it. That is really cute. We were excited when we realized too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so like you can transfer that conversation about boundaries um, in touch with your loved ones with physical affection. And you can always start the conversation and be like, what are your favorite ways to receive physical affection? Mine are X, Y, and Z. And then what are your least favorite ways of receiving physical affection? I don't like when I'm etc. cetera. Um, and this includes them in the conversation and informs them of your boundaries. And you just need to be really gentle with yourself because sometimes your brain is ready for things that your body isn't yet. Like trauma and pain and emotion is stored in the body. So it has to be processed both emotionally and physically, which is something that I've grappled a lot with. Um, and sometimes the physical processing takes a little longer. Uh, so wherever you're at is exactly where you're supposed to be at. Like you're not broken for not wanting to be touched in certain ways and not being able to be right now. And you have to honor your physical boundaries and your platonic relationships just as much as you do with your physically intimate ones. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I don't know if that I don't know if that helps at all. But that was so beautiful. Also, I mean, I would just add to um, your you not being broken. You're not because um, I mean. <laughs> I can't speak from the perspective of a young boy, obviously, mm -hmm. but I know for a fact that young girls are often left without a choice when it comes to physical touch mm. with relatives yeah. um, or, or close family friends or, or, you know, in family circles. Mm -hmm. Or even at school, um, like we talked about with dress code or and even shit. at school. Yeah. Exactly. And so, of course, you're going to feel that way. Even if, because we don't know, you know, beyond the question, yeah. but even if there isn't, you know, a, um, a, a, a specific trigger mm -hmm. that you can, you know, pinpoint, it absolutely makes sense that you would feel this way, yeah. um, uh, you know, aside from that or in addition to that, because that's what young, I mean, that's what young girls are taught. Yeah. There was a video that we, that when I was watching family videos with my, um, my family a while ago there was a video where I hijacked the camera <laughs> such a Leo I know <laughs> I was constantly like it was obviously like a camcorder I was constantly saying I want to see myself it's so cute and I constantly made my mom turn the camera around so I could see myself as she was filming it's so cute 
anyway and so yeah I hijacked the camera and I was it was like obviously very shaky I was recording nothing (laughs) but um I was probably like I'm so bad with age but like five or six Mm. maybe seven I have no idea um below 10 (laughs) and four younger than 10 (laughs) (laughs) and um my grandma's brother was a smoker his whole life Mm -hmm. and so his voice was very very um scary for you know a seven-year-old um and on the video um he was like oh like can I have a kiss and my mom was like come on give your whoever a kiss and I was just like "Mm, no but like I did but like I did it because he was like fucking hovering over me um and like it's so fucked it's so fucked like that's that's all I just know that's such a good point how weird is that especially right now during the holidays not that people are really gathering but like if you have immediate family that's at your house like if you feel so obligated to be like oh go give so-and-so a hug like oh go and why and it's and and I don't yeah you're right I don't know if that happens with young boys as often but I know that it absolutely happens with young girls absolutely that's such a weird thing like why are why does family feel entitled to your physical body yes and that ties in perfectly to this TED talk because it's like why do we um strip young girls of their autonomy like it like from right yeah literally right away it's so bizarre um and I think that's hard to grapple with again like going back to this topic because these people love you yeah so it's really hard to like to to reconcile those two things usually their intentions are good and so like they they're not meaning to cause you any physical discomfort even though they might be and it's just like some subconscious entitlement that's so weird yeah it's bizarre so um no no why are you sorry bitch someone's got a transition (laughs) so um my friend sent me this ted talk and it was titled, I think, um, what I have we don't it talk up. about when we talk about sex. I think that's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, it's called What We Don't Teach Kids About Sex. And it's by Sue J. Johnson. And we'll post, we'll either link it or we'll post a clip of it on the, in the thread. Yes. Um, and it's this woman and she basically discusses about, she discusses how when she realized that her coping coping mechanism with depression was basically to shut off like all feeling all emotion and she talks about how that meant that she also had to turn off like the good bits the you know the happiness the intimacy Mm -hmm. etc all that stuff because you can't pick and choose obviously when you know your mind is shutting down um and so as a result she talks about how in intimate partnered interactions she was numb to a lot and that included how she let people treat her body and let people treat her um, for decades and so um she said uh very on theme with Jillian Anderson but she Mm -hmm. said when she had her girls that that was when things started to change and she said there was one specific (laughs) there's one that will never fail to not make me want to just explode into a (laughs) puddle of butterflies and feathers that's exactly it I was like I simultaneously want to weep and just like and like let my heart explode with light but I also want to slam my head against a wall like I don't know what the yeah it's like I just want to go I just want to cease to exist like (laughs) 
you know? Yeah, basically. Like totally. <laughs> and um, she said that she was wa- giving her daughter a bath um, and she realized, like, it literally just hit her um, how intimate of an act that is um, that she had simply, like, been going through the motions of for so long, um, as you mm-hmm. do with children. And so she said um, it forced her to reckon with the fact that that would be such an intimate experience if it was with say another grown adult Mm -hmm. um and how that intimacy and care should translate to ourselves and to every person we love not just a lover Mm -hmm. or lovers um and so she began from that moment on magnifying for her daughters an attention to touch and sensations, asking questions when um, specifically she talks about how when her one daughter wanted her back rubbed um, and introducing not only consent that goes back and forth, constantly asking questions, asking if, you know, how high, how low she wanted her to go, all of that, but also instilling in her daughters the ability to articulate exactly what uh, she wanted based on what felt Mm -hmm. good. Um, And so uh, the part that really got me was um, her expressing why she was doing this for her daughters. And she really honed in on the fact that she was doing it so that they knew the level of respect their bodies deserved in the future and just grounding complete autonomy for how one is touched and how one is loved. Um, And focusing in on asking, you know, about specific sensations so that in the future, not only did they know how they were, what they should expect from any um, form of intimacy coming their way, but also so that they were able themselves to articulate um, how just on a very, you know, foundational level, Mm -hmm. what felt good and how to articulate that. Because I think that that's something that, um, like, where, where is this taught? Like, this is where it's taught in, you know, from, from one person. And the the thing is, is that when I first listened to that, I felt, um, a bit discouraged because I was like, well, if you don't have that, if you don't already have that language as a part of you, like, are you just fucked? Like where, like, if you didn't get that when you were young, but I'm realizing, listening to you talk about it, like I have multiple friends that I know have um, familial childhood trauma that has a lot Mm -hmm. to do with physical touch. And you can start to create that language for yourself by touching yourself. And I don't mean masturbation necessarily. I just mean like in just giving yourself a massage just, or like in the bath and like just being, putting on lotion, washing washing yourself, like when you're washing your hair and just paying attention to what feels good and and what those sensations feel like so that you can articulate them eventually with um, a partner or a family member or whatever the situation is. It's just a form of grounding, I think, Um, and reclaiming autonomy. Yeah. Um, And those those are two, I think, particularly for women, such important um, facets to have in your life and in your wheelhouse of a being. Because your your bodily autonomy as um, women is given away so young. Like you don't have it from such, it's compromised at such an early age so often. So on such a social and larger political level, I mean, there's so many levels in the home and in society. Like there's no, yeah. 
Um, you described that perfectly, though. That TED Talk is so powerful. Oh, good. I'm I watched good. it. Yeah, I watched it again today. She's such a comforting she presence is. to the woman who's. She looks yeah, like my college therapist. <laughs> That's so funny. It made me feel at home. I <laughs> love that. I love that. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah, she was rad. So. Would you like to do a light little um, fuck, Mary kill? More than anything. For fun. I've been wanting to play a game for so I'm long. Thinking, I'm thinking maybe we can like make it like a little um, uh, thingy and like people can do it if they want to and then like repost yeah, it. Yeah, that would be so fun. Yeah, okay. Uh, Mulder. Okay. Hank. Okay. From Californication. Uh-huh. Or Sam from Aquarius. Or and. Okay. Um. Fuck Mary Kill Baby. I'd fuck Hank, Mary Mulder, Kill Sam. Yeah. Easy. Easy, easy peasy. One and done. <clears throat> what would you um, do? Uh same. One hundred percent. Hank is a piece of shit. But like he good. Um but like he yeah, fucks, he, he yeah. Fucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I Mulder would drive me crazy, but sometimes. But he's like a Yeah. Um and he's he's a simp, so mm-hmm. I mean, look at how long Dana Scully was. Anyway, so what I'm saying is that you could probably leave for like a month <laughs> and then just come back and he'd still be there. <laughs> anyway, um uh Scully Stella Jean. This is so hard because I don't want to kill anyone, but and this is also really hard because I really love Stella. Like, Scully's my baby, but, like, Stella's also a baby. Like, without thinking, Mary Scully, fuck Stella, right. kill Jean. But oh, I have such a soft spot in my heart for Stella. So, really, those those two could be switchable. Mm. Okay, interesting. I'm not like Jillian Anderson. I'm different. I would marry Stella. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to marry Scully. Fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, fuck you. Um, are you ready? Yeah. Mulder, Scully, Skinner. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> Skinner. No, I'm kidding. Are you? I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't think Skinner's hot. Don't let anybody, <laughs> nobody, no. I would. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you said if Skinner Stop. had a hair. No. <laughs> no, don't do this. I'm pretty sure I heard that. No. Maybe. Pretty sure. Okay, what's your answer, ma'am? It would be to fuck Mulder, Mary Scully, kill Skinner. Yeah, same. Hmm. Um, Mulder, dog, get Skinner. <laughs> um, I I think I know the answer. Okay, I'm thinking of dog get as the character, not how he looks now, well, and not the actor. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. I would marry Mulder, fuck dog, it kill Skinner. Interesting. Were you going to say fuck Skinner? No. No. I mean, what would you have said? I was going to say, I would, I mean, I would consider marrying Doggett. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He he, he seems to care a lot. He cares so much. Um, 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 but then like. Marrying Mulder, I could fucking whenever I want. That was my thought so, process, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Sorry, skin man. Either way, kill Skinner again. <laughs> um, Scully, Reyes, Melissa. I love Melissa. But I also love Reyes. Ooh, that's hard. They're very similar types of 
I know. <clears throat> well, I mean, but if I don't know. Thinking... I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could fuck a Scully and then marry your sister. That's very fair. I was gonna say if you're just thinking about who you're more sexually attracted to, Melissa or Reyes, because I, I figured you'd marry Scully. Who would that be? I mean, I mean, I mean, Mad Men really fucked me over with that one, huh? Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> the actress who plays Melissa Scully is also in Mad Men, and um, and um, just think they would never know. Two different okay, universes. Then I guess I would I would marry Scully fuck melissa scully and kill that's so sad but that's a good answer so sad it's a good answer though but that would make me a horrible person i couldn't fuck melissa scully and then marry dana 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 (laughs) dana well i assume that if these are happening they're like in different universes you know Okay, yeah, fair. All right, I'm I'm good with that answer. Okay. Also, it's so funny because we say Dana, but I think Dana Catherine Scully is such a hot name. Oh my god, yeah, Dana Catherine is beautiful. Yeah. Okay, Byers Frohickey Langley. No, <laughs> don't make me do it. You have to remind Honestly, me of who's who. Okay, who's the clean one? They get worse <laughs> from here. The clean one is Byers. Okay, I know. He's I the know one the who's rest. always in a suit. Yeah. I think I already know the answer. You have to marry Byers. Yeah, I was gonna say you have to marry Byers. Yeah, I, f- I hate Frohickey. Yeah, I was gonna say fuck Langley. Like, fuck Frohickey. Fuck Langley. Kill Frohickey. Yeah, and he's also like weirdly obsessed with Scully, like in an uncomfortable yeah, I know. way. Um, cigarette smoking man, no. Diana okay. Kirsch. Oh Jesus Christ! I already know my answer. Marry Diana. Fuck Kirsch. Kill cigarette smoking man. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Diana's um, misunderstood and poorly written by men. So, like, I absolutely. give her the benefit Absolutely. Of the doubt. Absolutely. She, she just, she needs a good girl in her life to. Totally. Yeah. Yep. What? I feel like Kirsch can fuck. <laughs> I mean, he's big. He's a, yeah. He's a big man. He's a big man. That's pretty much the standard around here. <laughs> I know, that's funny. That is. We're like, um, they're large? Okay. <laughs> mm, they're tall? Tall okay. with hair. But honestly, that's also Scully's standard, so. so. You know what? We're in good company. Yep. Okay. Crycheck, Marita, Edgers. Um, this is a tough one. Wait, say it. What's the beginning? I'm sorry. Crycheck, Marita, or Ed. And Ed. Why Ed. do I keep saying or? Oh, Ed. Ed. Oh, Ed was Ed. in there. You missed him. Oh, you missed Ed. him. <laughs> okay. I'd marry Ed. <laughs> And you get two time. for one. Oh you my get god! Two for one. You get Ed and Jody. Mm, Crycheck kind of freaks me out. <clears throat> Crycheck's a little freaky. Yeah. So is it weird that I'd say fuck Marita and kill Crycheck? I don't think so. Because something about him I don't like. Yeah, he's got a weird. He's got he's got a foaming <clears throat> at the mouth. Yeah, face. like yeah. something about his mouth grosses yeah. me out. Totally. No, totally. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd marry Ed. Oh, God. Yep. <laughs> Fuck Marita. Yeah, kill Crycheck. Yep, yep, yep. Wow, look yep. at this. Uh, Jeffrey Spender, Diana Crycheck. <laughs> Jeffrey Spender is Mulder's half-brother. Yeah. Marry Diana again. Yeah, Jeffrey's gotta go. Yeah, and now I'd fuck Crycheck. Get rid of yeah. Jeffrey. Because, like, there's... Have you seen that scene... Um, between Crycheck and Marita, where they like fuck against a wall. Yes, tell me why we had to watch that. 
I'm not quite sure. see them have sex and Skinner was, have sex. Yeah, there was fucking against a wall that I wanted to see, and it was left on the cutting room floor because Chris Carter is a little bitch. Chris Carter is a little bitch. How many times can we title that as our episode? Um, any as many as we want. The world is our oyster. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And it's evergreen. <laughs> um. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Season one, Mulder. Season seven, Mulder, and season eleven, Mulder. Yeah, I wait. Yeah. I'm I, I'm supplementing that. Season one, Mulder. Season four, Mulder, oh, and season you. eleven, Mulder. Oh fuck you! you it was easy before that. <laughs> I know. So I changed it. Okay, hear me out. Mm-hmm. Season four, Mulder seems I'm more. All ears. Okay, season four, Mulder seems more gentle than season one, Mulder, because Scully's sick and he like cares more, right? Okay. Uh-huh. So I think I'd marry season four. Mulder. Takes cancer for him to care about her. Okay, keep going. My standards are really low here. Okay, <laughs> I'm not working with much. <laughs> okay, okay. So marry season four. Marry season four, fuck season okay. one, kill season eleven. <sighs> and those chicken legs. Oh, that's hard. Okay, hear me out, right? Season four I, I would so hot. Mary season four Mulder, yeah. no question. Mm-hmm. I would kill season one Mulder. Would I you? think he's too much of a little shit. And so for like a if we're talking about fuck one night stand, um, it would be horrible. You're so right. It would be because um, he would be so but about season him. eleven Mulder. Oh, oh, interest. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, I think I'm going to... Can I change my answer to be with you? Totally. Yeah, because that, that... You're right. One, a one-night stand thing would suck. Yeah, Season it would 11 be Molder horrible. would take a lot of care, and he wouldn't have too much energy to make it too much about him. <laughs> exactly. He's old. Okay. Season two, Scully. Season six, Scully. And I want to believe Scully. Wait, give me different ones for that. Yeah, yeah give I... me different ones. Okay. Um, season one, Scully. Uh-huh. Keep I want to believe though. You oh, I know, I know, I know. Okay. I know. Season I know, one you know Scully. Me. I just want to make sure. <laughs> season one Scully. Season four Scully, and I want to believe Scully. Godspeed. I hate you. <laughs> I hate it here. Okay, hear me out, right? Okay, let's see. I would marry. I want to believe Scully. I could guess that. Yeah. Hair pulling. That's all. <laughs> Also, she's like this fucking badass doctor. Oh, I like, love Arma yeah, I would love for I would love to be a housewife. Like, yes, I do the cooking. Yes, I do the cleaning. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would fuck season four, Scully. And you would kill baby season one, Scully. The love of hear your me life. Out, hear me out. Hear me out. I would, um, because here's the thing, right? Like, I would rock season one, Scully's world, because I would fucking worship her right which i'm sure no one up until that point had yeah in my head Mm -hmm. (laughs) um makes it true but she goes through so much in season one but particularly after season one that i think if i could save her from that in this fictional not real scenario that would be the best way to do it Okay. Not to kill her. I'm saying in this situation with those three versions of her. I understand you. your point. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A good answer. This, this one's going to be very, very, very easy. Okay. Jillian Anderson, David Duchovny, Chris Carter. Oh my God. That's so easy. Mary kill Jillian. Chris Carter. Kill Chris Carter a million times and fuck the shit out of David Duchovny. Bye, bitch. Perfect world. <clears throat> and that's it. That was fun. Awesome. That was really fun. <laughs> 
That's so fun. So oh, yeah, we can post so that and play along. Tell us if, if there's any yeah. places that you disagree. Because we were kind of in consensus on all of them. So I think so. Okay. Should we get into the episode? Yeah, let's get into the episode. So the episode is Shapes, uh, written by a woman. Marilyn something. Marilyn Osborne. Mm-hmm. First appearance from a woman writer, female writer. How many episodes in? 18? <laughs> 18 episodes in, and there will not be another one for quite some time. Until season three? Maybe. There were only two until Jillian in season Okay, well then, yeah, then season three, because there's Quagmire that's written by a woman. Okay. Oh, that's such a good episode. Makes sense. Um, So we open with uh, two white men loading their guns. (laughs) There's a lot of lightning, but then no rain Mm -hmm. when they go outside. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess it's like a, what do, what do they call that? Like dry lightning when it lightens. I'm like, from the desert. I don't fucking know. Got <laughs> so there's like some name Jeff. for when it like lightnings and thunders, but then it doesn't rain. Oh. It's like, I don't remember. Anyway, they're clearly looking for something on their farm that went bump in the night. Mm-hmm. They're like looking around. So there's a lot of lighting and shadow experimentation in this episode, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts like very early on. Um so then out of nowhere some monster with like this really wrinkly ass face thought it was peter morgan um attacks the son the father shoots and then he sees that he's killed no man no monster but a man mm-hmm. and then there's the opening it's just um, stories about native americans written by white people will never feel right and like that happens so often ever, in this show <laughs> ever and it's like yay that there's i guess work for the native american actors in the 90s and i'm sure there was like next to none um that was good and, and the, every time there's that storyline they always hire actual native american actors which is good but then it's like at what cost when it's just them offered another role that plays into a very ingrained stereotype that's all a cultural appropriation totally but you're right that yay for them at least not casting white people <laughs> because honestly <laughs> like happens. like yeah, that would have been expected. Honestly, yeah, I'm surprised. So Scully and Mulder go to these white men's house. Mulder's hair looks like shit. Yeah, Scully is looking so beautiful though, I despite know. how um, her Jillian's baby is compromising her floof. Okay. I know it's her. Okay. B- it's okay. Fucking Piper fucked up her bangs for a bit. That's okay, but That's she okay. still looks so beautiful. Um. And she's Scully is calling out this white man's racism and how it could have possibly been in connection to the other case. We mm-hmm. love that. So um, she says, oh, he thinks someone's someone's been killing his cattle and we're not going to talk about the federal court case against the Trigo Indian Reservation. And the guy's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the dad is getting mad because the indigenous people were placed on reservations against their will um, and confined to spaces that they've now made their home because of white assholes like him and his ancestors. Um, but he's the one crying about where his space is. I'm like, LOL, just, none of this land is yours. Let's just, yeah, let's just start there. Um, so they find out that Joseph Goodensnake is the man who was murdered by this white dude. Of course. This was, like, I think the best um, underlying, despite the cultural appropriation, like, the gross cultural appropriation, Mm -hmm. this narrative of, like, um, white people 
um, approach or the approaching this discussion of white people um, seeing particularly men of color as monsters mm-hmm. or as threats. Yeah. Um, there are definitely some so elements like, of this that ring really true. Yeah. So like, of course he, he did actually shoot, shoot a monster in this case, but the uncomfortable conversation arises where these white people are forced to recognize that he couldn't tell the difference between a monster and an indigenous man in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so Mulder and Scully are taken outside by the son, Lyle, which is like such a clan name. Clan name? <laughs> the it's a white supremacist name. My name's Lyle. Yeah, Lyle. you're right. I'm scared of You know what Lyles. I mean? Yeah. Um, and he starts talking to them about what he saw and blah, 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 blah. And he asks Scully, he goes, don't you ever get the creeps? And she's like, the creeps? And he's like, yeah the creeps (laughs) and then her and Mulder like look at each other like there's some inside joke between them and she's just like omg not here babe what are you doing like stop we can't talk to him about this and she like walks away she's like what are you doing don't look at me like that (laughs) um but this whole creeps conversation it's like this it just speaks to this inability to see humanity in men of color right Mm -hmm. like the threat their presence possesses to Mm -hmm. white people um and like, say it wasn't a monster. This conversation could have still been happening if yeah. it was, in if it was a man of color. Like mm-hmm. this, anyway. Yeah. Um. Outside, like this, Jillian is so fucking gorgeous. Like the natural light. I just want to say her features are truly out of a painting. Like she was not linked together with DNA and genetics, like all that shit. No, she was handcrafted, <laughs> baby, by goddesses with like fucking crystal tools and that's all i have to say like (laughs) okay if you don't know the the exact scene i'm talking about do yourself a favor and go watch shapes and go to the scene where her and Mulder are standing outside in the beginning and just marvel it's marvel she deserves it Mulder and scully go and they're like looking around the farm and we love an unnecessary umbrella (laughs) (laughs) because it's so funny because like they have the sound of rain on the shot of scully but there's no rain. Um, and then... Um, Honestly, it was probably for lighting. Oh, good point. Um, so then Mulder puts his umbrella down and he's not getting wet. <laughs> so he puts his umbrella <laughs> down to look at f- uh, footprints that he sees on the ground. So he sees the footprints that seem to transform from human to animal, mm-hmm. all while he's ignoring Scully completely. And then when she's saying something, there's nothing... When she's saying there's nothing unexplainable about this case, he shoves a piece of discarded flesh in her face. Her facials at that moment, A+. Plus. Uh, wow, I skipped. Okay, anyways. So then Mulder and Scully are in the car, mm-hmm. and they're basically talking. What else is new? They're in the car, and they're talking. <laughs> That's and the Mulder X-Files. says that they have to go to the reservation authorities and meet with a sheriff, Charlie Toscani, mm-hmm. um, whose name Mulder takes issue with pronouncing. <laughs> Um, but, which is like funny because, okay. Um, but also accurate for how white people in general, um, but in this case, white authority in particular treats, uh, treat communities of color. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's also, um, Scully then mispronounces his name later on. And then she mispronounces the Trigo's, uh, reservation name Mm -hmm. earlier. It's hard to know if this is intentional like direction or if it's truly just them not knowing how to pronounce it. And either way it's symbolic. Totally. 
And so anyway, so yeah, Sheriff Toscani has the body and Mulder and Scully want to go look at it of, um, of Joe. So they go to this bar and uh, they find the sheriff, but immediately um, as soon as they go in, there's hostility towards um, white authority, which is like another major theme of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone is ignoring them. This one guy knocks and like bumps into Mulder's shoulder. Um, and alas, we have another theme, which is Mulder's fucking complete insensitivity to this community. <laughs> um <laughs> when he's ignored he literally just yells in the bar which is like so telling of how uh allowed he feels to take up a space that isn't his yes oh my god that's so true Um, and um then someone i think it's i think it ends up being ish but this elderly man in the corner says go home fbi so they go over it had to be yeah because that's what brought them over so anyways yeah. yeah so this elderly man in the corner yells go home fbi and the the camera pans to him so they go over and talk to him um and he basically says that what i he said i quoted a lot a lot in this episode because mm-hmm. the writing was like pretty spot on but yeah. he said what i learned fighting the fbi is you don't believe in us and we don't believe in you um and this again is just like the theme of um this dynamic that's portrayed between this community of indigenous people and the police being unsurprised like it's I articulated I've like had this in my head and I didn't want to write too much so I'm going to try really hard to articulate it well like Mulder and Scully are outsiders Mm -hmm. um they are intruders in in this capacity um and they have their heart in the right place but at the end of the day um they're unable to walk away from their authority and from their whiteness yeah and so I think what I liked about these lines, there were two more. So later on, a character says, um, and I hate suits who are always here when, when they want something from us, but when we need help, they're nowhere to be found. Very accurate. Mm-hmm. And then um, Sheriff Toscani says, whenever I need federal help, I never get it. Yeah. And so I like that they're able to express themselves in this way. Like, I like that that was made very, very explicit mm. um, and how that very valid absence of trust um, that's initially portrayed um, because of Mulder and Scully's whiteness and because of their authority is never demonized or shown as being misplaced. Like, it's always yeah, very explicitly outlined. Which is good. Which is great. And then I want to say, too, like, this is in the 90s so it's like very reminiscent of the current black lives matter movement mm. in the sense that the, like one of the narratives is that authority figures are there when no crime is being committed yep. in the form of over policing um predominantly black and brown and in this case indigenous communities um but then when an innocent man of color is murdered that commitment yep. to the betterment of the public good vanishes yeah so yeah which is which is wild like in the 90s like that they were highlighting things like this is it something to like you know fucking stand up and give them a standing ovation for absolutely not but no I was surprised that it was more than anything that that was the undertone this is a I was reading about how this episode was actually requested by the network like this either either this concept or the um or like some something about the episode or like this specific like plot line was requested by the network which is why it's like everything seems to be very practical from the lighting to the way that the monster is portrayed and to like the way that they film it so that it's not too high of budget but it's still like it all seems to be following a very specific formula that was interesting that's really interesting yeah 
And, and you can tell that with, with this depiction, they're trying to say something. They're trying to totally. be like with it. They're trying to be with it, with the times. And you can tell that, that that's the intention. Um, I'll talk about a little later why I don't think that they did a very good job with that. But everything that you're highlighting here, I completely agree with. Again, you just, you said it in the beginning, like there's some, there's nothing right or comfortable or okay with white voices writing about exactly. very um, personal and very interpersonal indigenous stories like there just isn't um in this case but i was surprised to hear yeah um, oh yeah you know these Mm -hmm. things anyway i'm very excited to hear what you have to say Mm -hmm. and so they're talking to ish and Mulder says i want to believe again for the second episode oh yeah i wrote that why did i write that i was like they really hit us with i want to believe in the first 10 minutes huh yeah it really you know i'm sure when that was the title of the second movie it really came as a shock for people i'm sure they're like they never they do they want to believe i feel like they've never articulated that huh wow what what a curveball interesting wouldn't expect that so Scully starts telling the man ish I didn't know his name at the time oh yeah Mm. because they don't tell you his name until like the last scene so Scully starts telling ish that they're looking for any information about the murder of Joseph good Joseph good and snake and of course Mulder fucking interrupts her he cuts her off so bad like so bad like it's really bad Yeah. yeah um to say no we're looking for anything that can create human tracks in one step and animal tracks tracks in the next He's already being so dismissive in this episode, putting Scully, like this shot is great because he literally puts Scully into the literal background. Yeah. Like he oh, is in the foref- I, foreground of this in the scene. I, he interrupts her so badly. Yeah. Like I wrote, this happens a few times and I wrote that like this may be written by a woman, but there are so many shots that are framed with Scully small and in the background, like grasping for the camera focus. And that immediately yep. refocuses on Mulder bold and big in the front. And it's directed by a man. So it's not surprising. And I would imagine that like she um, saw this as um, being invited into the boys club. I'm not defending this writer, but I'm saying I'm sure she saw this as being invited into the boys club and didn't want to say anything, despite the fact that I'm sure she didn't want it shot like that. Yeah. Well, the writers really don't have much of a say of how the episode is shot and they're not normally on set unless you're Chris Carter. So then there's a woman at the pool table and that's Gwen. She says that um, they killed her brother mm-hmm. and that was Joseph was her brother. Is it weird that I like that the victim was a man and not a woman and that it's his sister that's mourning and angry rather than the other way around? Because I feel like... I love Gwen. Yeah, I love Gwen. And I just feel I like Gwen's women character. are framed as possessions to be taken from away from men too often and it's nice to see it switched not that i'm happy that a, a man and then the focus mean? yeah and then the focus not even on the trauma that 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 woman went through or the tragedy of that woman's life ending but on the uh grief and anger of the man who lost her yep and i like that this isn't that for once exactly um so yeah again the mispronunciation I don't know if it was written like this. I don't know if Jillian said it, but she very clearly said Agent Tuscany. Ma'am. Like the fucking place Jesus in Christ. Italy. Anyway. <laughs> and so then, so uh, Agent Tuscany comes and he's like, you know, I'm me. And he takes <laughs> them me. to his office. Hey, it's <laughs> he me. takes them to his office and where the body is resting. Um, and uh Mulder starts asking him all of these questions he agent Toscani says listen I'm not a park ranger here to answer all your questions about Indians which is like so good 
Mulder, you're being so fucking insensitive. Literally. But it's also very accurate to how white people um, view dismantling racism and like being a good ally. Like, teach right? Me. Like, yep. yeah, exactly. But it's like black people and people of color are not there to do the work for you. No, like, that's on us. They're not there to fucking to do teach that work. you. It's stupid. Am I surprised Mulder doesn't know that? No. <laughs> yeah. They go in to see the body, and Agent, uh, Agent, and Sheriff Toscani is telling them about how Joe and Gwen actually filed the suit against um, Parker, who's the dad, and his son, Lyle, um, despite what they said. And, like, it's like, of course white people are lying to the authorities to paint people of color as the villain. So... So just that even though it was a monster, you can see the undercurrent of why that line is blurred yeah. because Parker and Lyle do see indigenous men as monsters. Yes. Yeah. So they look at the body and Mulder sees that um, his teeth uh, have his canines are like very, very large fangs. Mm-hmm. Um and then they look at his dental records and they show that like his teeth are normal. So I had a, f- a few things here. One that I love that Scully is the one analyzing the body, like the medical goddamn yeah. doctor she is. Like she just shines in the examining rooms and it just makes me really Absolutely. happy because she like really steps into herself there. Um, and it's fun to see. But then also, why does Mulder know so much about teeth? Like he, he's like, oh, yes, from my Ew. dental classes. Like he really pops in like he just knows all about teeth. Well, because it's, like, when there's knowledge that, like, needs to be known, but, like, you have to, and you have to insert it into a scene some way, give it to the man. What would have made more sense to go to her? Because she's the fucking doctor. Totally. Like, what? Totally. Why? I know. So Scully says, which I think is, like, you know, a line. She says, so Parker saw what he wanted to see, an animal. Yeah. Yeah, Scully. Exactly, baby. Um, Get it, baby? Yes. So Scully and the sheriff are trying to come up with a solution, and Mulder's like, a man of color and a woman? Nuh-uh. I think I will shake my head and prove them wrong. <laughs> literally. Which he literally does. So, so aggressively. He's oh like, my God. nope. Mm-mm. He's like, no, look at me. I know the actual answer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like a child. Um. So... Like a the, sh- yep. the sheriff the sheriff won't allow an autopsy so scully has to explain that she's fully qualified to do one for some reason and i think this is really this was one of the <laughs> smallest bits where you can tell that a woman wrote this mm-hmm. because even though it's not about her ability or her level of qualifications it's simply about their religious beliefs and then what we find out later is more in depth but yeah. um surrounding autopsies but um that it's very telling that that was the first line of defense or conviction for her to prove that she could do it. She's like, no, I can because she's been questioned before. Totally. Which and is she... like so real for women. Yep. Um, and like, of course you're qualified. Look at your FBI badge. I know. And you're it just fucking... proves that like a woman wrote this episode because yeah. that's a very real thing is like feeling like you have to defend your qualifications. Yes. That's what, that wasn't what it was about. In addition. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll cut that out. I think this is one of my most favorite stills of Scully in the first season. I know. I never noticed Scully's outfits, but these, like, because I think these kind of clothes bore me typically, but, like, they're very, like, monotone colors, and I just, like, don't mm-hmm. stick in my brain. But this little turtle crew neck, like, black sweater and that light gray blazer. Yeah. Oh, that's what it's called. So cute. Um And also, like, she just looks extra soft. I yeah. don't know why. I don't know what it is what it is she looks so soft her cheeks are all plump yeah maybe that's it okay yeah, her cheeks are very but yeah plump. she's got on this her ride or die collarless uh blazer 
and uh her hair is so like I think that's what it is like her hair is like round it's like so floofy yeah and she looks so retro and like so badass I just (laughs) I want her to come home to me and I want to just like worship everything about her and tell her how smart she is and tell her how big her brain is but that's my problem so let's move on so back to plot that's my I'm problem so happy. I'm so happy we both love that look because there is it was so striking I was like what is happening I never pay any attention to that and she looked, yeah I was like oh I love this outfit yes um the contrasting so, colors looked really good with like her hair because they're like gray and yes. black with her red hair and then her pink skin and I think I just realized too, she almost looks like um like a detective out of like a sixties sitcom. Oh my god, yeah. I wrote later, I don't remember where I think it's when she's in the hostel room, but I said she kinda looks like a nineteen forties mobster. Yeah. She looks very yes. vintage. Yes. Yeah. Um, but like the the star of her own show. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. She's not so, a guest star. Absolutely not. So the sheriff tells them that the funeral is tonight and so there's no point in doing an autopsy. The body's going to be cremated. Um, and he tells them that it's because Trigos believe that any desecration of the body angers the spirit and keeps it haunting this world. Mulder and Scully try to reason with him from a law enforcement and evidence-based perspective. Um, but he says, Sheriff Toscani says, Native Americans believe that there are laws greater and more just than that of the U.S. government. And Scully's like, well, yeah, I can't argue with you there. <laughs> Um, so sheriff, sheriff, the sheriff basically says you can continue your investigation, but it'll have to be without Joe's body. And she doesn't over push it like one agent might. Like in Mulder's like, oh, he's like, that would have made it so much easier. He's a werewolf. <laughs> like, Yep. Literally. Uh-huh. I feel like I've been saying that a lot. Okay. Anyways. What? So cut literally. So you're making so many good points. Um, so cut to the funeral. And Scully and Mulder are sitting in their car watching. I fucking hate this part. Scully calls Mulder out. Because, like, let's just let's just take a step back and realize how ridiculous what is happening right now is, okay? Right. Scully calls Mulder out, asking him why he's acted as though he's expected to find every piece of evidence they've come across. Mm-hmm. And what he what is he hiding from her? Which, why does she even have to fucking ask that? But I like that the writer wrote her asking that because that's what we ask every episode. Totally. We're like, he acts totally. like he's expected to find everything. He's like, oh, right on schedule. Like, there's that. Totally. Goes, oh, yeah. under the bed. Yep, there's the crucial piece of evidence. <laughs> Knew it would be there. From like, the way that his body was positioned, like, like the, <laughs> the TV would have been on. He's like, oh, yeah. I will never. Perfectly. We'll be, in the, we'll be in the eighth season and I will be bringing <laughs> that, that up. Literally. Um, yes. So 100%, you are so right. It's just so frustrating because it call. It's frustrating because it reveals how ridiculous it is, right? Yeah. Like yes. it reveals how ridiculous it is that she has to be like, "What are you hiding from me?" And he's like, "Her partner." Well, he's like, "Oh yeah, I already knew what we were investigating beforehand." Like he, all- but like I didn't really want to tell you. I just kind of wanted to lead you on this goose chase and like see if it would like lead somewhere. Literally, um, he's a cheater, Mulder. He's a cheater. cheater. He's Always. a cheater with deep throat with his stupid little files. He's a cheater. And she yep. works so hard. Like, imagine every single piece of evidence that she gets. She is so excited to tell him. She has 
quite literally run to tell him things that she's discovered and here he is he like goes through his little x-files and he's like "Ooh, the first ever x-file let's tuck that in my fucking briefcase not and let let's anybody not tell it. about let's not tell her god this is a selfish cheater even though this is exactly the case that we're on anyway um, um my note was that he <laughs> i'm not even gonna say it no say it say it because uh-huh. i did show you this scene you just everything is ridiculous and i hate him right yeah uh-huh. he looks really hot in the car he like, does because his hair like got a little wet I his think. hair got a little wet so it fixed it a little bit and then he like looks really tired like he has bags under his eyes and i'm like let me help you relax baby anyways <laughs> yeah, by like, handing him nyquil <laughs> <laughs> go the fuck to sleep <laughs> um comes in in like a robe like looking all hot and i'm like here's some nyquil <laughs> someone write that <laughs> scully being like let me help you relax and really she just gives him meds she's like, like feeling his chest she's like i'll be right back and she comes back with nyquil he's like and um, he's like what do you mean she's like good night <laughs> i already had plans sorry i have to go i don't what, what, what did you think i just said i was gonna i don't he's like i thought we were gonna i thought i thought she's like yeah you thought <laughs> someone write that for us please little comedic sketch okay um so but yeah like the fact that she calls him out over the fact that she knows he's not telling her the entire purpose of why they're even on the case is power love that power and then when he finally does explain it she's like that's lycanthropy you fucking idiot i'm like (laughs) so he tells her that this is similar to the very first x-file in 1946 um and she gets so mad that he's suggesting a man changed into an animal that she gets out of the car and storms away to talk to Gwen. She's like, I'm fucking she sick of your so shit. Mad. Yeah. Um, and then we see this great contrast in their ability to talk to people and make emotional connections oh, and yeah. be sympathetic. Um, Scully goes to talk to Gwen. She tries to, she doesn't overstep, but she tries to relate to her on a very personal level, um, removing this like professional mask and saying that she feels very sorry for anyone who's lost a member of their family, which I think like is her medical background in addition to the fact that she had just lost her father. Yeah. Um, which comes up again later. Well, it's like, um, and also in this interaction, there's no jealousy. There's no cattiness. It's just human interaction. It's just her caring about the victims of the case that she's investigating. And being very receptive. Which shouldn't be a wild concept, but it, it often is in totally. the show. Because um, I don't even think Gwen looks at Scully, but Scully is, like, very, very really receptive respectful. to how Gwen is responding. Yeah. And I just love that Gwen gives her something of her brothers, even though she's not. And, and I know. Even though she's like, it's not a big deal, like, whatever. But she still does it. And I just, like, love when two women are on my screen. Yeah. Yeah. No, ser- and two powerful women. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. Gwen is so powerful. Holy shit. This is one of the um, few episodes that passes the Bechdel test. Bechdel I bet. Test, that's what it's called? <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah. It's when two women are talking about something other than, um, men. A, yeah. Or, or like a relationship with a man. Related, yeah. related yeah. topic. Um, compared to Mulder talking to the sheriff and asking him if he believes in shape-shifting at a fucking funeral. The guy has to explicitly be like, this is a funeral. And he's like, mm. <laughs> I just wanted to know. He's five years old. Read the room. <laughs> like he is five years old. 
yeah 100 yeah five that's generous god um, he's like mm. they're like Mulder, it's a funeral you can't talk right now he's like i just want to talk about shape-shifting god scully that's why scully fucking laughs she's like scully go get your child (laughs) acting up again i just want to see a mock version of the x-files where like scully is played by a powerful wonderful woman and Mulder's played by an actual like kid infant that's running around being like look there's fangs (laughs) yeah totally because that's what it would it would read the same it would (laughs) Uh, and then Scully would actually get to keep the child that was hers, and it would never... Oh, we had to go there. Okay. Yep. Um, so both the sheriff and Scully have told Mulder they need to go home because, uh, Joe, i.e. their only source of evidence is being burned as they speak, Mm -hmm. is being cremated as they speak. What the fuck is wrong with me? Is being cremated as they speak. And again, I don't love how he's being painted as like a fallen seeker of the truth, Mulder, because it's like, how about they just, uh, how, how about just some respect, my dude? Like, it's pretty simple. Yep. Not everything is about you. Yeah. Um, so the funeral happens. Uh, Scully just looks so fucking soft. I'm sorry. It's nighttime. Lyle shows up at the funeral to pay his respects, but of course he's fucking unwelcome. And why do um, all these fucking white men think that they're just welcome anywhere? <sighs> I ask. I know why. Question. I know why. But. Yeah. Um, and I just have to say, Gwen sees him there, and she storms over to him. I love seeing. I love the anger we're seeing from this woman. She's a great actress. I love it. Yeah. Um, and the way the sheriff just lets her go and supports her in that expression. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when he tries to become like a protector of sorts by like placing shoves him off. on her shoulder, yeah. she shoves him off. And this is like the epitome of like a lone fighter letting her rage and anger manifest in protection and honor of her community. Yes. And like, oh my God, it's so powerful. Yes, you're so, so right. powerful. That like scene really got me. I don't. No. I just loved it. I love seeing a woman like that. Like, well, and also that's she's usually reserved for men. It's usually reserved for men. One, but also she's being validated in her anger. Like we're not we're not seeing Absolutely. it as this excessively angry woman. We we see it and we're like, oh yeah, like no, she should be mad. Totally. And it's rare that exactly. women's anger is viol- like is is violated. She's is validated. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> then Lyle says, "I wish your brother could be here." I wish that more than anything else. It means nothing, fucker. Go home. Like, let's talk about showing up as white people, okay? Like, when you're elevating voices of color and you're putting your body in front of people of color when they're targeted is misinterpreted as being the same as white victimhood and white tears. It's like... It goes back to, like, I'm upset that you called me out. I'm upset that I got put in my place for my racism i don't actually give a shit about the racism yep yes it's being more upset about being called out than the actual problem itself like magnifying how much work you have to do over doing the actual work when you've been given the opportunity Mm -hmm. like which would have looked like lyle retreating from the lawsuit um and not showing up at the funeral to show that he's sorry yep like it's it's just stepping outside yourself for five seconds, yep. which no one seems to be able to do. 
And then I hated this shot. We see a shot of like Gwen walking back to the funeral and like it's we get this shot of Mulder and like it it gives off this like, oh, he relates. I I understand her anger. I know where she's coming from, even though they could not be more different. Couldn't people. No, literally the it's a lost sibling, but it's so different. This and and just everything about them is different. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, like I mean, like there's nothing similar. Nothing. But he, of course. But he's like, he's like, now I get he, it. Well, the thing is, is that Mulder is a privileged white man who identifies with the marginalized. Yeah. He does. Yeah. Like he fully does. He's like me too. People call me spooky. Shut the fuck up. That is not the same. You fucking idiot. That was the line that I cringed at later. Um, when he was like, as long as it's not spooky, you're fine. You're fucking fine. Ish was like, <laughs> he's like, okay. Cut to Parker smoking a cigar, probably getting all those nasty mouth sores, and someone Ew. kills him from out in the woods. Whatever. It was a big mistake showing the beast killing the dad from the back because it looked like Big Bird beating up a child. Totally, like- <laughs> totally. And, like, the way that they, like, made it fast, but then made it slow. Like, the editing was just very this off. This is where I, I stopped watching halfway through and got high and continued, and this is where you can tell by my I'm notes. excited. Let's dive in. Um, so, of course, um, we cut to the next day. Sheriff is there. Mulder and Scully are looking at the body. Um, of course, Scully asks the sheriff how Gwen is. She's checking up on Gwen. Um, the sheriff tells her that she's gone, and so is Lyle. Yeah, no one seems to care that she's gone. No I'm like, that's concerning, but that's fine. It's concerning, but at the same time, I just realized this. Um, it's also kind of fucking refreshing because I feel like the sheriff and Gwen are—they know each other. Right. Obviously, it's a, it's a community that they, you know, he's the only sheriff in that community. I kind of like that it wasn't framed as like um she needed rescuing like they made it seem like she 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 um disappeared for a brief moment on her own volition yeah yeah like that was how it was that's framed true. and i think that's how it ends as well which i have some things to say oh that's about. interesting because i kind of initially was irritated about it so but that's a really good point i'm irritated about the end not necessarily this moment but interesting okay um, okay let's not get over ourselves okay. okay so the sheriff um finds a claw in Parker um and Scully brings Lyle um back to the scene all wrapped in like a towel and muddy and he's fucking naked where did she where did she get the blanket in the field I was thinking the same thing so I also wrote of course Scully has to find the naked boy (laughs) yeah seriously okay yeah let me backtrack so Scully like wanders off and she finds Lyle in the middle of a field naked passed out (laughs) So she, so she brings him back. She she conjured up a towel, a, a, a blanket, yeah. And then doesn't Mulder um, go? The power of women. <laughs> she just she just had one, you know. Women's women's intuition and, and need to comfort men is so strong that they actually can manifest blankets and warm cuddly with things in there. Little known fact, you can believe yep. it. And then doesn't uh, Mulder say, "Sheriff, I think it's time we had a talk." I was like, okay, dad. Scully comes back and says that he's suffering from exposure yeah. and that he's gonna take she's gonna take him to the hospital. 
And then Mulder says that, and it's, like, such a, like, okay, now the real case can begin. Yeah, he's like, I've been right this whole time. Now that a white man's yeah. dead, let's go. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so funny. Um, so Lyle and Scully are in the hospital. He's basically telling her that he got drunk and blacked out in a field um, to remember his mother, but then he got naked and pretended he, that he was an animal. That's what I gathered from that hospital scene. <laughs> And Lyle tells Scully that he has an image of his dad sitting on the front porch, but he doesn't remember talking to him. Um, She, again, empathizes with a grieving person, and he just fucking interrupts her and is like, fuck you. Is this my fault? Like, make me feel better about my mistake, I wrote that I really liked that they're actually acknowledging that she has some kind of, like, relation to this case. Like, wow, thank you so much, Marilyn, for paying attention to what's been happening to our girl, you know? Because so often it's like there there are cases where, th- like I think Jillian often will like play that it's triggering something, but it's never explicitly said, and so like you wonder if the writers yeah. have just forgotten the shit that they put her through. Um, and that's not present in this, but you're right that he fucking cuts her off. Yeah, like it's really annoying. He, he's not inter- He's not listening at all. At all, it just goes back to his guilt. Like he wants to be absolved from from any guilt that like this could possibly have been his fault. When she's like. Anyway, so um, Mulder is talking to Ish. Cut to them. Oh, here we go. Um, they're talking, and Ish tells him a story. I wrote, why does Mulder get to have a slum- slumber party with the boys, and why isn't Scully invited? Ish starts telling him about the, sto- about the story about Watkins, which was the first case in the X-Files that, that Mulder brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells him about how be- there was a legend about a mani- Manitou. Mm-hmm. Um where basically if you were attacked by that, that caused the victim to become one until death and it can be passed down through the through bloodlines. Um, and I know that's that's all I have until Gwen steals, the, they go outside. So I know you want to yeah, talk about so that. So after watching this, I was really, because the whole time, it was like what we said in the beginning where it's like white people writing about this is just never going to be right. But I was like, I wonder how like like fetishizing stereotypical this exact scene is and so i was looking up some stuff Mm. and i found a review about the handling of native american culture by um karen bakteen i think um that Mm. said that that this episode's depiction of native american culture was really trite and she said um i bet i bet talking about them in relationship to Mulder, she said these beleaguered people serve to justify and elevate him to set him apart as something special the difficult racial issues are tied resolved both through the elders acceptance of Mulder in some ways suggesting a different and newly emergent FBI and the episode's conclusion that in fact the initial killing was not a hate crime but a justified attack on a supernatural creature shapes in spite of his shapes in spite of its political illusions remains little more than an atmospheric werewolf tale with Native American trappings and it was just like it wow. made me that's perfect right? it was just like it, it made yeah. me realize that the ease at which Mulder is able to easily integrate himself into this tribe feels way too much like wish fulfillment or like something like really idealistic considering that Mulder Absolutely. is still a part of the government that has treated them so poorly yep. and it's like yep. instead they literally try to show Mulder to be he like seems more in touch with Native American beliefs than most Native Americans and it's like that's what Ish says. Yeah. He says that. And it's like what? And then, and then it's like it's the stereotypical tribe elder type character that exists solely to validate Mulder. That is all. That 
character does is to prove him right um and Mulder is literally a white man coming to the reservation to help them handling a problem rooted in their own mythology exactly and then I read something else sorry I have a lot on this I guess but then I read something else online that said Mulder is a character more interested in the freak element of a crime than the human side of the equation and like that's the fucking which we talk about all the time articulates exactly what we've been talking about like in a really concise way exactly he's like don't kill don't kill this thing that's been killing innocent people because i need to see if it's real or not because i want to know because it's so freaky and magical he doesn't give a fuck about the humans and so yes he just that's what i mean like we're molded like identifies with the marginalized community and then is accepted into that like what like that it's like that scene was such a like a flipped switch I was like, hold on, what is happening Yeah, literally, here? why is Mulder sitting with these Native American men? Like, what? That's yes. So stupid. And, and it's so, and um, it's so frustrating because I like what that woman said in the first article about how all of a sudden, yeah. um, this, this man who has been a part of the government that has done so many horrible things to these people is now suddenly being accepted into it. Mm-hmm. And that is not the route this episode should have taken. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was it on was, a good that's track. Exactly what I mean, like in the beginning, I was like, like "Yeah, fucking go with it." And then this, in the way that they wrap up the case, is they they backtrack completely. Horrible. They all the yeah. work that they did. Yeah, one hundred percent. But like she said it so perfectly, I was like, "Holy shit!" So perfectly, yeah. Um, and I like also that you said that this elderly man only exists to val to valify <laughs> to verify Mulder's like lone wolf yeah exactly and like, like his like freaky beliefs that like actually have root and something and then the fact that he's like oh fox you should be sneaky he's not native american exactly they wouldn't say exactly that. Like, that line was horrible it, it, he's like oh that yes, was the line I'm, that i that i cringed I at oh he's like i'm one of them no the fuck you're not it's so funny because when i stevie and i watched the episode like separately but we were on facetime together (laughs) and she saw me react to something and she thought that it was when the makeup department made it so that like lyle's oh i just gave it away so that someone's skin was being like torn apart so that like the fur could come out and like he could transform and he was like convulsing it was so disgusting it was this scene it was that moment she was acting that disgusted at this at this exact line yeah the whole the haha <laughs> yep um let's see let's see so then cut they all they hear something so they go outside um and it's Gwen and she's trying she's trying to steal Isha's car um and she says that she saw the thing this animal kill Parker I think this is another example of the one female actor in the scene having the appropriate stakes and nobody else having them because it was like she she, she killed she, the she, scene. It was like the episode intensity was at like a four or five, and she shot it up to an eleven, fully. Like totally. I literally have goosebumps thinking about it. Yes, like, me too. Me too. Yeah, it. She did such a like the anguish in in her in her acting is incredible. Yeah, because it's these women that read these scenes and that actually understand the gravity of them, and yep. nobody else seems to. Like ninety percent of the time. So Scully takes Lyle um, back from the hospital and he's going, she's going back to the the barn, whatever Mm -hmm. their house. And um, the doctor calls Mulder 
and says, oh, yeah, there's they just left. The actual medical doctor on this case just left. I'm going to call um, you, though. I'm going to call you, though, um, and let you know that the blood results that we took on Lyle, we found his father's blood there, which would only be the case through ingestion. Um, Weird, huh? So you might want to go pick up your daughter from school. Literally is the um, exact mess of vibes. And make sure she's good because... Because um, I think she might be with um, a murderer. So could have based on that phone but... call... No. I mean, he also could have told her, you know, before they left the hospital. Like, hey, maybe let's wait till his blood work is done before you go. Yeah. Um, so we find out that through that, we find out that Lyle is the animal. And then we see Scully and Lyle in the car. And, uh, you want to talk about this? I had a full fucking mental breakdown over this shot of Jillian from the side. (laughs) Like it started as a joke and then became very real. It became very, very real. Um, that whole thing about self-confidence that we talked about in the last episode, about it fluctuating. Yeah. Oh boy, did this launch me into a bad place. <laughs> um, and we won't get into it now, but just know that it's very real and it goes up it and down. It does fluctuate, yeah. Um, nothing like a good profile shot of Julian Anderson to launch you into a nice mental breakdown. But so beautiful and literally everywhere. Such way. is life, baby. You know what I mean? Such mm-hmm. is life um so thank you i love you you. um so thank you for bearing with me during that time Um, are you kidding me i was crying an hour earlier so (laughs) it was (laughs) it was earned so scully takes lyle home lyle really does not roll off the tongue i'm probably gonna say it ever again i didn't write down his name once um so scully takes lyle home and of course the power's out spooky of course she's the one that's stuck with the murderer so i know he says he feels sick so she takes him to the bathroom and she's so cute she's like let me come in and i just know she's so mom like here she's so cute um she's like and do you need anything let me in let me make sure you're okay she's like we're gonna go back to the hospital now sorry i'm done so, meanwhile, Mulder and the sheriff fucking floor it to go save Scully. Mm-hmm. What else is new? Um, and they get there to the house, and I love the shadow play that's on Mulder. Um, mm. the, with the light coming in through the blinds. Yeah. It was so beautiful. I literally wrote, without actual intense effects, they did a great job in this episode. With minimal great prosthetics, job. they used sound effects with the cracking of his back and like low growls that they input in. Yeah. They used music and physical, and his physical acting's really good to make that transformation yes. really low budget, but still very palpable and impactful. Yeah. yeah. I also love how they were like, yeah, we need like a low budget one. Let's give it to a woman. Mm-hmm. So 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 that a man's talents aren't wasted on a yeah. low budget. They're episode. like, oh, you can accommodate this. Yeah, that's so fucking irritating. Ah! Okay, so <laughs> then we see I love when we just smile out of anger. We're both like <laughs> beaming, but we're furious. We are both the meme of that dog sitting in a burning home, this saying fine. everything's fine. It's fine. Um, so then we see Bigfoot streaking through the house Bigfoot. and Mulder trying to shoot him. <laughs> That's what he looks like. He's like, oh, his fucking bare ass cheeks are out. <laughs> um, Mulder tries Bigfoot to shoot him. Bigfoot streaking is going to be the name of the episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
skinny dipping with Bigfoot. A lot of naked boys in this episode. So many naked boys. <laughs> um, and so Mulder goes upstairs. And Scully, like, pops up out of nowhere, okay. and she gives him the cutest little... She's like, it's okay, it's me, it's okay, it's okay. This was, like, I wrote... I watched that so many times. I, I listened to that so many times. I wrote, when they find each other in the dark, it's so hot. And then the next note, wait, like, so hot. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Like, Uh-oh, SpaghettiO. Uh-oh, SpaghettiO. Because, oh, it's so hot. Like, I was like... It's really hot because of the breathing. Yeah. But then, like, She's Scully so being like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. So then there's this very cool and very snappy slow-mo shot um, of Mulder and Scully turning around, and the sheriff shoots and kills Lyle slash the monster. I um, One thing I did like was that it was the role of reversal of, like, a white man killed a Native American boy in the beginning, and then, and then it switched. This episode is kind of all over the place, but, like, there are definitely better bits than, like, pretty much every episode we've seen in terms of, oh, like, yeah. cultural... There, there was an effort put forward. Comments. It was not successful, totally. but there was an effort. Not successful, but there was an effort. <laughs> exactly. Um, and in this show, the effort is, like, a big step up. <laughs> you saw Gender Bender. <laughs> you... mm, yeah. <laughs> You, so, we haven't watched the we haven't watched the one where black men turn into white men yet, have we? But we we <laughs> reference that often because it's like how do you forget that? What was happening that day? <laughs> so then, um, the sheriff and Mulder and Scully are talking, and the sheriff basically says that Gwen left because um, she didn't have any more family. She was the last of her of her family. Um, she mm-hmm. gave away all her possessions and she left. And then he says. Maybe she saw something she wasn't ready to understand. And Scully is like, yes, I get it. Mm-hmm. But she says, maybe, but she gets it. I like that Scully responds to that. Because um, I think in most episodes, it would have just been like left, you know, right. like very ambiguous. That's true. Um, and I like that she responds to it. Um, uh, and I will say more on that. But... I refuse to let Mulder end another episode with his witty one-liner. So they drive away through some very scenic um, uh, highway-framed forestry. And, no, no, forest-framed highway. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the episode. So what I wanted to say about that line um, is I wanted to dive into it more because the, I, I wrote it down knowing that I would want to think about it and what it meant and so and i finally think i figured it out oh cool i think in a sense it becomes a reckoning for her not necessarily in that moment but i think one that she often thinks about um not only now but throughout the series it's something where she she struggles with a lot where she's like i can go full steam ahead i can get in the car with Mulder, and i can keep driving or i can flee like Gwen mm. and I like how both are presented as honorable choices here oh like okay the yeah writer the writer doesn't frame Gwen's choice as being weak or a cop-out um it's simply framed as her it's escaping the, the surroundings that caused her harm yeah um, and building a new life and she's a w- single woman doing that and I think that's incredible yeah um and so with Scully um, she's chosen to keep in pursuit of the truth and commit um, 
commit to uh, this part of her where there is a willingness to understand mm. in all that she sees. Yeah. And both are brave. And that's why I love it. That's such a good point. I totally changed my standing on that on that bit then. You totally convinced me. I was initially, no, I was initially just irritated. And I wrote like, I love how they're like, oh, Gwen lost her only family and gave away all of her possessions and dipped. But like, nah, she's fine. Like just another day. And I was like irritated at that nobody seemed to care. But actually, you're so right. Like it's just validated as like, she needed to go and do that. And that's, and nobody's trying to take ownership of her and being like, I need her. Like you're actually, I feel like I was indoctrinated to feel like that's a necessary reaction. And And framing it as like, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's crazy. Like, yeah, but no, it wasn't. And and actually that's so much more powerful. You're so right. That's such a good point. Good on you. I really like that. I really like that. That was. So I like that her choice wasn't questioned. Yeah, essentially, like, at I all like by that anybody. She was able by anyone. I like that she was able to go on her own volition, and it was it was it was, um, her autonomous choice to start anew. And yeah. I really liked that. I love that too. What a good ending. That's the episode. And that's the episode. That was a really good discussion. I learned. I feel like I learned a lot. Like I that was very me too. Um, that was very stimulating for my brain. I feel like yeah. Especially it felt like a read. really good um like class discussion you know like when you leave a good class and totally. you're, like, wow, and you're like thinking about stuff yes. that's how i feel yeah right now i agree watch people listening you're gonna be like that was stupid <laughs> <laughs> no we have to be confident in ourselves in no you're right say. you're fucking welcome this is like free this is free i like when you say that <laughs> <laughs> If you want to support us, there's a link in the description of our episodes. Oh, yeah. We should post about that, actually. Yeah, we will post Do you want me to say a little bit about sure. it right now? And then yeah, we put it say in the it. Okay. Go for it. So we're, um, we have a little, what's it called? It's like listener support. And you yeah. can, um, like, if you want to pay, like, a dollar a month for um, the content. Like, literally, that it's, it's whatever amount you want and only if you're able slash want to. But we're two young, poor girls who are um, trying to move. And so we love doing this and we love the reaction. And if you want to um, compensate us for the content. And then, the time that we put into all of our discussions and everything. Then we would, would be it would be very, very much very appreciated. Very much appreciated. And um, we'll probably put together a little package of, like, anybody who's subscribed will get... Um, either extra content or uh some, something we'll figure it out we're still in the Who very knows? stages of it we might at some point create a patreon and like have little like you can have subscription packages extra, and you'll get like yeah. behind the scenes contents or like extra discussions or something um but that's still very much in the works but as of now we do have listener support and you will be um rewarded in some way but we would just appreciate <laughs> the help a little bit because we really put a lot of time into these yeah, we put a lot of time and effort and research and energy into all of this because we want to give you guys the best. Like, I can't articulate how much this has made us, like, <laughs> this has become a, a bit of therapy for us a little bit. This, Absolutely. This whole process. Um, so should we do Jillian's Corner? Yeah, let's do Jillian's Corner. Go sing. Okay. Yeah, do you want to sing? Okay, yeah, ready? Jillian's Corner. Jillian's Corner. <laughs> Okay. So today we bring you um, a quote from Jillian. It was, um, I think it was, I actually don't know when it was from. I believe it was about, it was about never again. It says, Jillian Anderson, I want to believe the official guide to the X-Files. 
So some documentary that the X-Files did and Jillian was involved in, she said, on TV shows, you get, you get to see such a small percentage of somebody's personality because that's what the audience wants to see, the norm. That's something that they can rely on from week to week to week. <laughs> but we all have many sides of our personalities. All of us have secrets. All of us have parts of ourselves that we don't show to other people. All of us can go home and be depressed at night and be smiling during the day. All of us can go home and binge and purge in the middle of the night and nobody would know. I don't think that what I did here was out of character for Scully. The only thing different is that the audience hadn't seen it before. Um, so what she's talking about is um, uh, going home or going on a date with and then going home with Edgers and never again and having a one night stand. And I think it fits really well into this episode because we see a character like Gwen, which I don't know that we've seen so far and we'll pay attention to it from now on. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, aside from like major characters, I can't think of another woman who's given this much. Who's deeply explored. This, yeah, who's given I mean, this much range. In all things, the the woman, there are multiple female characters that have some depth to it. Well, but are we okay. surprised? No. All because... things is, is is its own, yeah. No, of course. All things and is and like that's not point. an X-Files episode. <laughs> no, that's Julian Anderson being like, let me give you a gift. Yeah, let me show you how this is done. Literally. Um, we have a lot to say about this, and I'm sure this will absolutely come up again Um once we get to episodes where Scully specifically has been labeled as out of character when really it's simply her showing her range as an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally. They're like out of character. I'm like, women are more than one. They have more than one facet. Exactly. And one layer to themselves. That's all she's doing. And so I think it's very important that Jillian highlighted, like it's not out of character. It's just a side you haven't seen before. Yep. And, and um, that applies on so many levels. It, it applies so to like levels. celebrity and political idolation to where when you're idolizing celebrities and uh, political figures and all of any kind of public figure that there's, you're only seeing what they're allowing you to see. You yeah. don't know these people. And so realizing that and taking that into account that everybody has more layers, um, everybody's flawed, all of the things that you don't like about yourself and that you struggle with, people have that with themselves as well. Everyone is human. I think that's an important, and that applies to characters and, and your friendships and your relationships, like all, the minute you put somebody up on a pedestal, you're bound to be disappointed, so. Um, that was fantastic. That was so good. Should we end it there? Yeah, it ended there. Um, right. We love you. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Sex Files. Bye.